Eli, his brother, comes to one day or comes and visits him and he asks him, how's our people doing back home? And though he never really lived there, something pulled on his heartstrings when he had a close relative that told him about the condition and the situation and it cut him to his heart. We'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. But in verse 4, he said, When I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days. Chapter 1, verse 4. He said, And I, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now, you got to understand something. The news about the walls being torn down and ruined, it could not be brand new news to Nehemiah. Because it had already been 150 years. Are, are you with me? The Babylonians had already done it. And, and, but it's kind of like you and I. We know that there's kids hurting in this country. We know that there's devastation in third world countries. And let's just say Haiti, let's say Guatemala, Africa. You, you pick it. And while you and I have just a head knowledge that we know some hurt and some, some sorrow and some abuse is going on there, it is not like when your brother decided to do a short-term trip and he went over for two weeks and he come back and then he told you, man, this is what I saw with my own eyes. And all of a sudden, the next time there comes up a mission to that country, you say, hey, I'm, if I can't go, I'm certainly going to fund it. I'm going to give. I'm going to help. Why? Because it's kind of like Nehemiah. He knew the walls was ruined. He knew that there was no border around Jerusalem anymore and that people were coming in, pillaging and tearing the, the place up. He knew that. But it wasn't until his brother Hanani had come and said how bad it really was, he got deeply invested in it. Matter of fact, it moved him so much that he knelt down and he began to pray. He was calling on God. He said, matter of fact, in verse 2, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah. He said, uh, with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the providence, and they're in great trouble and disgrace. Why? The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. He watches. And when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept for some days. We're not talking about you cried because, you know, uh, somebody ran into your car. We're not talking about, you know, a, a, a tree fell on your fence. He said, I cried for days, I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to where? To who? The God of heaven. And then verse 5 said, I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, he said, who keeps his covenant love, of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer your servant is praying. So Nehemiah is really taking this thing to heart. He said, your servant is praying before you day and night. In other words, it won't go away. You ever had anything that just wouldn't go away? He said, no, this is, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. So um, he's, he's owning what's going on right here. He's telling all about it, and he's saying, Lord, please hear my prayer. So when you cry out to God like that over a situation, 
and then you pray and the burden lifts and it goes away, well, you've done your job. Praise God. But there are certain things that we pray about, certain things that we hear about, certain things that just won't let us go. Huh? I mean, certain things that just hold on to us and we're burdened by the Spirit and we fast and we're burdened and then it turns into days and then it turns into weeks and we just cannot seem to shake it. I would say to you, that means we got to do something more than just pray. I would say that means, well, we might have to sign up and actually go. And we might have to put our hand to the plow. We might have to do more than just pray. You see, keep in mind, Nehemiah's prayer is it's set on action. He's not praying idle words and vain repetitions. He is laying his heart out before God. He's asking God for direction. He is intent upon taking action. He just wants to obey God and do it God's way and have God's favor. He was a gifted leader without a doubt. But notice the first thing he does. Even though he's a gifted leader, he decides the first thing I need to do is pray. And I want to tell you something. That, that's what we all could, could learn something from. No matter how gifted we are, no matter how talented we are, no matter how many connections we have, no matter what, what reputation or status we have, if we could just turn to the Lord and say, oh God, I might know a, not a, a, a lot of contractors. I may know a lot of people in high places, but the person I know best in the highest place I know is you, oh God. And I want your will to be done. I want your provision to be made. I I want you to be pleased when it's all said and done. So Alexander McLaren, uh, a great commentator, said this, No man will do a worthy work of rebuilding walls until he has wept over the ruins. There's nothing that will move you like seeing things firsthand. I'll tell you right now, we've had the wonderful opportunity to go to Guatemala for three years, uh, and we'll go back again late uh, next year, October, and there is nothing like, I've never seen it fail yet, not one time, but that when we got finished with that home and we said our parting words and our goodbyes, that we joined hands and everybody had tears streaming down their face and you just, you wanted to go, but you didn't want to go. And then you come back and you dedicate a home and whatever, and, you, and the tears just flow again. And your heart just literally goes out. You know why? Everybody that went, I don't think they came back hardly with anything. Except, you see, uh, we give them our boots, we give them our gloves, we give them our hat, we give them our clothes if they would fit. And if they didn't, and you give them boots and they might be that much too long. They'll stuff something in the toe and wear them anyway. That's right. But you see that and you say, i got to do more than just... Think about it more than just pray about it. So, so that, that just kind of um, takes me uh, to, uh, let me look at uh, another verse, if I may. Uh, over in verse number 6 or, or 8, remember the instructions that you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, he says, and even if you're exiled to the farthest horizon, I will gather you back again. So Nehemiah has, has said to God, we've messed up. We've done stupid things. I'm guilty and my family's guilty. But you promised us that if we would call out to you, you would bring us back. So here's, a, here's the most important thing you got to know today about Nehemiah and about his prayer. And we'll look at chapter 2 in just a moment. But think about this. Prayer is, is the switch. I don't know if you know anything about electricity, but like for instance, there's a switch that, that controls these lights. It's right there on that wall. And when they push that switch, 
boom, it makes the circuit. In other words, if this is power and this leg is going to the lights, when that comes together and the circuit is made, power flows and the lights come on. I want you to understand that prayer is the switch. Prayer is what makes the circuit. You can think things. Amen. You can talk about things, you can dream things, you can write things down, but until the circuit is made, the power cannot flow. So, so think about that. Prayer completes the circuit, so as bright as you are, you need to pray. As skilled as you are, you need to pray. As great a spokesman and representative as you are, you have to pray because prayer is what makes the circuit. It is what makes the connection. It is the most basic part of the Christian faith. It is putting our voice out there. Now, you don't have to have a pretty voice. You don't have to have a pleasant voice. But, but prayer is vocalizing the intents of my heart. Prayer is to the Christian what water is to the body. It is not optional. It is essential. And without water, in a few days, you will die. And without prayer, in a few days, you will die spiritually. Without prayer, the Christian faith begins to fade fast. Listen, here it is. It's important for you to know because we spend so much time and we waste so much energy on things that are good things. They just don't make the connection. Hello? They just don't make the connection. And nothing kind of makes it like prayer. And I know we get swooned into thinking, well, it's my ability, it's my connections. You know, it's all of these things I have. But no, we exhaust our time and we exhaust our effort on things that does not make the connection. It is prayer that makes that connection. Here's what the Bible said in Psalm 127. Except the Lord build the house, the laborers rise in vain. And except God watch over the city, the guards wake up and stay late for nothing unless God looks over it watch this in vain for you to rise up early and go to bed uh, late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil for he gives his beloved sleep here's what I'm saying no matter what it is you face it's a difficult task it's a mission whatever it is Pray over it. Pray with fervor and pray with sincerity. And when you've prayed through over it, go to bed and sleep. Don't you pick it back up and worry about it no more. Trust in the prayer that cast all your cares upon me, says the Lord, for I care for you. So, so now whether or not you put it back on your shoulders tells us how much faith you really have in the prayer you prayed and in the God that you prayed to. So pray until you pray through. And then here's what you got to do. It's important because we're wasting time doing other things that, that are good things even, but they will not make the connection. So I don't care how well you've studied to pass that test in that final, you better pray. As long as there's tests, there'll always be prayer in school. Are you with me? Say amen. You see, what... So what do you need to do? Well, let's, let's turn to the greatest instruction. Let's turn to the Word of God and see what He said. And man, this is just barely scratching the surface. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16 said, Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Now, I know some people think, I can't walk around all day in prayer. And that's not what he's really talking about. He's talking about being mindful and, and having an attitude that is always ready to pray, always ready to commune with God. 
He said, pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances. Now, that one's a tough one. Amen. Giving thanks in all circumstances. Man, I've messed some projects up and looked around and said, man, I'm about to have to redo this whole thing. It's hard to just say, well, praise God. I just wasted two hours. But anyway, then Jesus, in Luke 18 and 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And he told that parable about importunity where, you know, um, where you keep on praying. He was talking about how a friend went to a friend's house at midnight and he asked for some bread. And the guy said, I've already put my kids in bed and, you know, I've locked the door and everything, all this stuff. And he says, um, <clears throat> I can't get up and give you no bread. Old guy kept on knocking. Kept on knocking, kept on knocking. Finally, the guy got up. He, he, I mean, this is supposed to be his friend. Finally, the guy got up and got him some bread. I don't know if it was honey wheat or wonder bread or what, but he got him some bread. And what Jesus said is if you keep knocking long enough, somebody will get up. And then he told another story about a judge. The judge said there's a little old woman that's been messed up. She's been uh, abused. She's been done wrong. And she comes to court every time. And I got other things to hear. I've got all of this. I got all of these problems. And here's this little old lady every time before I leave the bench. I got to hear what she's saying. And here she is, old judge, I need this. And he said, I don't fear God and I don't fear man. But I am sick and tired of this old woman coming bothering me. So I'm going to give her what she wants. Well, Jesus, so many times we pray about something we never even thinking about it again. Now, I'm not talking about because, you know, the prayer was fulfilled and it got done. I'm talking about it just really wasn't that important to you. Jesus said, just keep on knocking. Keep on praying. And then Romans, Paul wrote to the Romans and said, or excuse me, in Luke, he said, watch therefore and pray always. Romans, Paul said to them, rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Ephesians, he wrote to the Ephesians, said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So, hey, Paul said, I'll pray with the understanding. That's in English if you, you know, speak English. Spanish if you speak Spanish. Portuguese if you speak Portuguese. Whatever. He said, but I'll pray with my understanding and then I'll pray in the Spirit. In other words, those who are filled with the Spirit. He said, I will pray with my understanding, and I will pray until I am praying in the Spirit. For God understands those utterances, those things that are spoken in the Spirit. He said to the Colossians, continue in prayer and watch in, in the same with thanksgiving. Why do we need to do this? Because there is power in prayer, and prayer makes the switch. Give you another example. You might understand it like this. You know, in your car, I don't care what size motor you have, it doesn't really matter. Um, there's a battery there, and there you have an ignition switch. And when you turn that switch over to a certain point on, then, you know, the dash lights come in a few things. And then there's another little deal. Now, some of you got some newer cars, and you just sort of hit the button. Maybe even you're in, you, you're in the house, and, you know, it's cold out, you know, like the last few days, and you just sort of hit that button, and whoo, that thing fire right on up. And you turn the electric seats on, and so you warm your behind up and uh, all that. But what I'm simply saying, whether it's your push-button remote, whether it's your ignition switch turning, something is making the switch where this wire that has no power, huh? and this one has got power, it's coming from the battery, and all of a sudden power comes 
power comes and boom, that starter turns and that motor turns over. Those spark plugs light off and everything starts. Prayer is what makes the circuit. And that is why it is so important for you to pray because there is power in prayer. When you make that switch, all of a sudden that war machine comes to life. James said, is there anybody sick or in trouble? Let them pray. Is anybody happy? Let them sing songs. Is anybody sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, he said, will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. And if they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for one another, and that you may be healed. Oh, my Lord, we ran too fast over that. we got to back up. Confess your sins to each other. That's scary in the world of Twitter and Facebook. You better know who your friends are. Because it will live forever on the World Wide Web. Now, God is different. When you confess it to him and you repent, he will wash it away completely into the sea of his forgetfulness, never to be remembered no more, as far as the east is from the west. But uh, notice what he said, if we're sick, call, you know, I had an opportunity this past week, we had uh, Brother Jimmy, I don't know if y'all know Brother Jimmy Snipes, he was going to have a knee replaced, and he, you know, he couldn't hardly go anymore. So uh, while the doctors are testing him about his knee replacement, they said, we might better check your ticker. So they got checking on the old heart, and they realized, you know, it probably ain't no good for us to go ahead and fix your knee because this right here is all messed up. And they tried to do the stent, and they said, this ain't going to work, man. It's, it's beyond that. So had to have a bypass. I can't remember, Wednesday morning or, or seemed like it was Wednesday morning or Thursday morning. Anyway, Josh and I went down, and we're with them, and uh, we prayed with them and so on, so forth. And, you know, the doctor come out, uh, or, or one of the nurses come and said, you know, everybody's different. It may be a few hours, it may be a day with the vent still on them, you know, and then it may be a day in intensive care, it could be three days, four or five days, or a week, it just, every, you know, but did you know, within just a few hours, he's off the ventilator. They called me the next morning and said, you know, early this morning, he's gone to his own room. Amazing, the power of prayer. Amen? The power of prayer. I talked to Brother Bob, and y'all know Brother Bob has been battling cancer. Matter of fact, he wanted me, he called me the other day, I talked to him yesterday. He wanted me to express to you personally the deep thanks and gratitude for all the, anybody that's called him or sent him a card or the care ministries team that have reached out to him and said, Bob, we love you, we're willing to come and cook or, or meal, because he was supposed to be down in Gainesville like February, somehow, miraculously. And you know, he's already had, this is his second bone marrow transplant, got uh Got his brother's perfect match. That'll come a little bit later. But it, so nigh death. I mean, so, I mean, right at the very edge. I can't tell you how many times. And I'm thinking, man, you're supposed to be in Gainesville in February. Man, I'm at home. Well, I'm not home because I'm completely well yet, but I'm doing far better than what they thought. Amen? The power of prayer. So here's what the Bible said. We, we'll read a little further with that. Confess your sins to each other and pray so that you might be healed. 
The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even just like we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. So uh, let me ask you this. I, I need to, let's look at chapter 2 real quick. Just real quick, in Nehemiah chapter 2, I'm going to try to tie this thing up. And uh, in Nehemiah chapter 2, uh, we're going to find that he, he's going to do something um, a little bit different. We're going to see him in the, I don't want to get through the month and all that, so let's just ease on over to verse 2. I had not been sad in his presence before, that is the king. So the king asked me, why? Why are you so sad? Why does your face look sad when you're not even sick? This can be nothing but sadness of your heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad? Watch this. When the city where my ancestors buried are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed with fire. And the king said to me, watch this. What do you want? Now I want to put this in perspective and I'll try to do this quickly. Is that he is a long way from home. He's heard terrible news about what Jerusalem looks like and the walls are ruined and his people are, are I mean, and, and it's happened a long time ago. I mean, a, a, several generations ago it actually happened, but Hanani has come and told him how bad it really is. And so he prayed and he fasted and he sought God for days and days and weeks. He said, and I answered the king and said, if it pleases your servant, and I found favor, let your king... Uh, I find favor in sight. Let me send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. In other words, he asked Artaxerxes, a Persian king, can I have leave of absence and go home and rebuild what the Babylonians, Babylonians destroyed? He says, uh, and the king, verse 6, the king um, said to him, if it pleases the king, or excuse me, sitting beside him, the queen was beside him, how long will your journey take and when will you be back? And it pleased the king to send me. So I set a time. He said, he's pleased to do this. He said, um, and if I can go a little bit further, he says, uh, if I can have some letters to, uh, O king, to, to the governors of the trans-Euphrates, that they'll provide safe cotton. In other words, in a nutshell, not only do I want leave to go do it, would you mind paying for it? And would you mind giving me a letter with the king's seal that I can go to Asaph and go to the trans-Euphrates governors and all those guys so that I can get the wood, that I can get the stone, anything I need so that I can get all of these things, the timber, the beams, the gates, the citadel, the temple, and the city wall, and the residence, all these things. And watch this. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Isn't it amazing you know, do you see what Pharaoh did for Moses? Do you see what King Darius did for Daniel? Huh? Do you see what Artaxerxes is going to do for Nehemiah? I don't care where you are in this world. When God's favor is on your life, when you have spent some time weeping over the ruins, when you wept and you prayed and you called on God, God made the connection with prayer. Or you made the connection with God through prayer. And it made a difference. So 
When was the last time that you prayed over somebody? You sat down and cried for days and weeks and couldn't get it out of your crawl. When was the last time you said, we got to do something? Can't go on like this. When was the last time you went out on a limb for somebody else? I'll tell you something. It's easy to talk about how bad things are over there. But when you see it firsthand, or not even see it firsthand when you have somebody come back and show you. I remember last January, I was in, in Cleveland, Tennessee, at our international office. I was sitting there, and I was being challenged by our executive uh, committee saying, hey, we need to send the light of the gospel to the darkest places on planet Earth. And they laid them out. And there was 10, they had identified at least 10 of the darkest places on Earth. Manila, Philippines, Bangkok, Thailand, uh, uh, Togo and LeMay, Africa. Um, there was, um, I, I can't name them all, but there was just many of them and they showed various different videos of, of, of the dark, dark sides of those countries. And they said, we have called upon you guys because you're leading a great movement where you are. And we want you to catch the vision to help us send the light of the gospel to the darkest places on planet Earth while there is still time. And I sat there and I was moved. And I had a figure in my mind, and I said, Lord, I'm going to pledge $5,000 that the harbor will send to help carry the gospel to the darkest places on the planet. And I was reading a book at that time. Bill Eason wrote a book entitled Go Big. And he was talking about your dreams and your visions, and when you're dreaming dreams that are, you know, you can see how you're going to get it done. You know how it's going to work out. And, you know, he said, that ain't big enough. You got to dream a vision that is so big that if God don't come through, it'll never happen. So I thought it was real easy. I was going to just write down $5,000, you know. And the guy who's speaking, I don't know. He said it three times. But first he said, I don't know. The Lord might just speak to one of you to give $10,000. And then I said, $10,000 kind of, you know, what happened. I said, my Lord, we... And then in his speech, a few minutes later, I heard that word again, and so I sort of passed it off, and I got my pen ready to write this $5,000 commitment, and I already wrote the Harbor Worship Center, and this guy's about to leave the podium, he says, but you know, I still think God might just be dealing with somebody about $10,000 today. I just wrote it real quick, and I said, all right, God, it's on you. $10,000. And you know what? It's always on him. It's always his money. It ain't our money. It's his. It's the easiest $10,000 we've ever paid. No, we didn't just write a check. We sent $2,000 this week and, you know, $500 this week and $3,000 and, and, and we paid it in about three months. Unbelievable. What I'm simply saying, there is a time when you weep and you pray and you cry and the feeling goes away and you've prayed for something and God dispatches angels or somebody else. But then there's a time where you weep and you cry and you pray and God says, 
you got to do more. It, it cannot be just putting it for somebody else this time. I'm calling you to be a Nehemiah. Would you stand with me this morning? It could be that the Lord says, like he did to Nehemiah, I've got something for you to do. Now, I'm not talking about just missions right here. Some of you have been struggling with, should I get deeper involved in the church? I know i got, you know, this that I do and that that I do and the other. Should should I really commit myself to this? And I can't tell you the answer to that. I can tell you this. Nehemiah got to a place where he said, "I, I knew about Jerusalem and I knew about all that was going on, but it never came home to me like it did when my brother came and told me. I'll tell you when your church will mean the world to you is when you see one of your fresh friends, one of your friends that are so close to you, all of a sudden God came into their life and into their heart. Maybe they got healed. Maybe they got filled. No matter what it is, something happened to them and all of a sudden you are on fire now because you saw somebody that was a raging lunatic for Satan all of a sudden give their heart and life to Jesus Christ and you never thought it would happen. You thought the church would fall in when they came in. I've had people tell me that. I said, it didn't come, it didn't fall when you came. So, let's pray. Lord, I pray for your people today. I believe there's some Nehemiahs out there. Lord, may they understand that prayer is the connection. Prayer is the switch. And prayer works. There is power in prayer so I want to challenge you today as, as I've said that and I want to challenge you to just do something real simple just set aside 10 minutes and say Lord for 10 minutes if, if that's all I'm going to set aside 10 minutes and before I go to work I'm going to kneel down and pray and ask for your guidance today for 10 minutes Maybe it's on your lunch break for 10 minutes. Maybe you can just stop by on your way to work. Maybe you just sit in the parking lot. Oh, Brother Ray, he's going to be with the Lord now. But I'll tell you this, oxygen tank in tow, cold or hot, whatever. He got that thing together, cranked that old truck up and come and sat out by the pond and prayed. He would normally sit there for an hour and pray and just ask God to have his way. So that's what I want to challenge you to do that. How many of you just by an up your hand and say, Pastor, I'm going to pray. I'm going to take that challenge and for at least 10 minutes. You might already pray 30 or, or an hour. I don't know. But I'm going to take the challenge to at least pray 10 minutes. Dang. Lord, I thank you. I believe that if we'll do that and we'll commit to constant and fervent prayer that we like Nehemiah could do something so scary and daunting where we could go to even a, a big official, a king of a foreign country and we could ask them for things that we never thought possible. We could ask them to do things and they would do it because of the connection in prayer. 
We could ask them for kingdom things and they would come through because of the power in prayer. So Lord, we lift our hands and we lift our voice to you now. Grant the petition. Nehemiah said, the Lord heard me because I prayed to him, the God of heaven, and he granted the petition of my heart. Do it today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give him praise.